0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And this is episode number 118. Aaron, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. I uh, got the kids down a
1: little earlier tonight than last time, so I was able to join on time. It's been Excellent. a long week.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, not just a long week for you, but a long week for the Sharks. They've uh, been horrible for the past forever. So uh, we're trying to find something uh, fun and interesting to talk about, and we'll get to that in just a second here. But... Uh, For those of you who are in the chat right now, please feel free to throw your comments and questions in there. Uh, We will be fishing for some comments, I'm sure, tonight, uh, looking for something positive, hopefully, to take away from any of these games here. Uh, And if you are in that chat, please feel free to hit us with a a retweet, hit us with a share, a like, uh, and, of course, your your comments uh, are always welcome here, as I just said. So uh, please feel free to do that. Get us out to your Sharks friends and family, and we will get this show moving right along so uh aaron patrick marlowe surpasses gordy howe on monday uh, for the sole possession of most games played in the nhl at 1768 games played what an accomplishment
1: uh, it's absolutely amazing i mean this guy broke into the league at uh i don't even think he was 18 he was 17 when he was drafted and turned 18 during training camp Um, So I think, and I can't remember off the top of my head, I believe he's the second youngest player ever to play in an NHL game. So he started his career very early. And don't forget, he probably would have broken this record uh, at least a season ago because he played through a full lockout plus a half lockout. So he would have had even more games played had uh, those lockouts not happened. So absolutely amazing. Um, I think he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. I know that's a lot of talk going around. Uh, I think I don't think this is kind of like one of those records that may or may not ever be broken again, uh, just because of the way the game is played. It's it's so amazing, and you don't really see players come in the league that young and stick around as well. So um, kudos to him for for being uh, always ready to play. Um, we knew this game like we kind of circled this game in the beginning of the season. Everyone did because they knew this was the obviously the earliest you'd be able to do it, but to go along with it, he also has an Ironman streak, right. Of 900 games. So we knew he was going to break the, the, unless he got hurt, which he doesn't usually get hurt, but you know, something catastrophic could have happened, Um, but it did not. So it's amazing. It's great. It's too bad. It was not at home and it was in Vegas, but I think Vegas did a very good job of celebrating as well as some of the teams before that game kind of leading up to it. Um, some of the players around the league recognizing what was happening and and uh, everything like that. So,
0: congratulations to Mr. Shark, Patrick Marlowe. Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, 900 consecutive, but let's get back to the, uh, the breaking of Gordie Howe's record. I actually was able to ask uh, Patrick Marlowe a question or two after uh, the game where he did break that record. Now, the entire time leading up to this, everybody in the media was. Asking him, you know, the kind of the same questions but worded differently. Basically, what does this mean to you? Um, and you know, the people that helped get you there along the way. Those kinds of questions. They were kind of kept directing them there. And he even started saying it. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm repeating the same words now, guys. <laughs> like uh, I'm humbled, I'm honored, and um, you know, obviously wouldn't be able to get where I'm at without great teammates, without great staff, without my family supporting me, and all those things. So. Um, I wanted to ask, not just to, to ask a question, but I wanted to ask him something that was a little bit more lighthearted, um, a little bit more uh, on the fun side, and something that he wasn't just going to regurgitate the same answer uh, in a different way. So um, here is actually the, the clip of me asking him a couple questions. So go ahead and we'll roll that right now. Hey, Patty, uh, you've been through enough emotionally here, so I'll try to keep this light. Are you ready for the team to hand out commemorative 900 consecutive game sweatshirts and nameplates on Wednesday?
1: <laughs> uh, they've done enough work. I think that
0: hopefully they don't they don't uh, have to
1: do any more work for a little while, extra work that is. But uh, no, that I mean tonight's special special in its own right. And uh, one
0: thousand seven hundred and sixty eight games played. That's a little difficult to remember, but two thousand is a nice round number. Do you think you have three more seasons of teal in you? <laughs>
1: We'll, we'll see, but, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to enjoy the, this moment right now. And, uh, I still feel body feels good. I feel good. And, um, we'll see, i see how, how long I can, uh, stay on this journey.
0: Good to see you laughing. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know just, just nice to be able to kind of give them a little change up from the usual uh, line of questioning there and it seemed like he kind of appreciated that he was having a good little chuckle there so uh, not nah, hey he, he's a great guy um and, and i couldn't I imagine another guy oh, maybe the jumbo obviously for for an honor like this and as you had said uh, playing in his 900th straight tonight uh, and and other teams recognizing uh how difficult it is to play that many games. I can't remember who it was. that said they had played a thousand and he thought it was like, wow, that's pretty good accomplishment. And then he's thinking about it going, man, he almost played twice as many (laughs) as me. That's ridiculous. So, uh, and you know, it's not unfathomable. The guy's legs are still there. It's not unfathomable to think that he would be playing for at least another season, potentially two, and then maybe play a third season where He probably should retire, but he does it anyway. And maybe he does reach that 2000 game plateau. now Aaron, I have a question for you for the 1000 games. They give him the silver stick. Is there anything for 2000? I mean, there can't be because no one's ever been there. No one's done
1: it. I would say a platinum stick, which is that would be worth a lot of money. (laughs) Um, Did you read about some of the stuff that he does? So in between every single period, he completely strips down and takes an ice bath. Now, I read about it and he got that from Tony Granato former shark from the late nineties. Um, and I think they asked Tony about it and he was kind of like, wow, I can't believe he did that. Cause he used to make fun of me for that. So he kind of took that from him, uh, his little po, you know, during the game, not even post or pregame, but during the game. Um, and Patty seems to be one of those guys that would kind of wait until the last minute and then get dressed and always be on time, but always like pushing it to the limit of how long he could uh, prolong getting ready, like stretching. I mean, he's taking care of his body. He's not like he's goofing off or anything, but um, very efficient is one of the best words that they used to describe him. But uh, have you ever taken an ice bath, Paul? Because I definitely have during my college days.
0: Okay, so the only time I've ever done an ice bath was uh, when I ran Tough Mudder, and uh, you had to jump in the dumpster. <laughs> that was oh, so. with- you didn't do it for like to take care of yourself. You did it because you had to do it. I did it because it was an obstacle in the course. And I promised myself I was going to do every obstacle.
1: <laughs> Man, when you are, when you are banged up, I, I, I played goalie in college in soccer and I would more from practice and from games, cause you're diving a lot more in practice. But, um, I would take an ice bath and it was amazing. Like at first I was like, you gotta be, the trainers told me, to do it." I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not getting in that thing. It was literally like, it's a hot tub or it could be an ice tub. And they poured so much ice into it that the ice was still floating in it. So it wasn't even melting. So it was that cold. And I sat down all the way up to my neck and it was a day that it was close to a hundred degrees outside and it was a double day. So it was like in between the two double days and I got out of the ice bath and it actually worked. Like it felt amazing. All my bumps and bruises and everything that was hurting and aching was gone. Granted, I was a lot younger too. Um, and then I go out I go out to play the second part of the double day at a hundred degrees and I'm shivering. It took me a while to, uh, to shake it off. So amazing that I, I don't know how long he goes in the bath for yet. Yeah, the more, you know, there you go. But, uh, it, it does wonders. It feels good. Um, and I always read about stuff like, uh, I think it's Navy seals or something in the morning. They take a very early shower and it's a very cold shower. It's not a hot shower and it, it kind of shocks your body and wakes you up. So, um, maybe that is the, the key to a long lasting life, uh, and, and staying in shape and staying
0: uh, uh, game ready, I suppose. You heard it, folks. If it's good enough for the Navy SEALs, Patrick Marlowe, and Aaron Scholl of this show, then uh, you've definitely found the fountain of youth. Uh, go ahead and give that a go. Okay, so Marlowe, only the fourth player in NHL history to reach the 900 game straight plateau. Um, I think that streak is at like 950 ish, somewhere up in there. So again, if he plays uh, at least one more season, uh, he could potentially hold the most games played consecutively uh, that record as well, which would be uh, just another feather in the cap of Patrick Marlowe and the storied career that he's had so far. Uh, Darren Stevens, actually, if you fo- don't follow his account, uh, you absolutely shit on Twitter. Uh, I think it's just at shark stats, if I'm not mistaken, um, but he kind of likened it to uh, Cal Ripken. Now uh, in the MLB baseball here, uh, Cal Ripken was the oldest to play in a streak that lasted 900 plus games and that streak ended at the age of 38. Now Marlow hit that 900 games played streak at 41 day. I'm sorry, 41 years, 218 days old. For me, um, and that's that's over seven years older than Keith Yandel, By the way, when Keith Yandel hit 900 straight, um, for me, that's that's it speaks to just how well, as Aaron just kind of uh, spelled out for us, it speaks to how well Marlow takes care of his body because hitting that that number of consecutive games played at an earlier age. It's not like, Oh, he did it earlier than everybody else. No, he did it when he's more in his body was in his prime. He's doing it when he's this quote unquote old man, right? So for him to do it where he's almost 43 years old or for 42 years old, um, that just speaks to how well he takes care of his body. And, you know, to have him on a team, these are the intangibles, right? People say, Oh, you know, Marlo, he's too old. He can't play whatever else. You know, as long as he's effective enough on the ice, these are the intangibles that he brings to the San Jose Sharks locker room, right? He's able to be one of those guys that's able to push the younger players to take care of their bodies at an earlier stage in their careers to help make sure they have long and healthy careers, right? So uh, again, thanks to Darren Stevens here for kind of putting it in a little bit of perspective and kind of giving some more numbers about the whole thing. So uh, just really interesting stuff. I'm super proud of him, super proud that he did it in teal. And I'm I'm really glad that he's still a member of the San Jose Sharks and he's able to kind of share this knowledge with all the younger guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if he's only playing about, what, 10, 12 minutes a night, he's still rubbing off on a lot of those guys. Just like Tony Granato kind of uh, showed him the ice bath trick. And Tony Granato was towards the end of his career and Marlo was at the very beginning of his. So um, these things do stick around and they go from player to player and it's going to help somebody else. Now, I think I almost think the 900 games consecutive is a little bit more impressive to me, especially at his age than the total games played. Um, Now, Cal Ripken, there's some shady stuff going on, like there's some games that he was going to miss and all of a sudden the lights got turned out and they couldn't turn on. So they had to postpone the game. There's some stuff like that that's a little crazy um, towards, towards his streak so that he could make that streak. Plus, baseball is a I'm not going to say baseball is not an athletic sport, but it's a lot Mm -hmm. less taxing on your body than hockey is. Um, I would, I would equate hockey more closer to football than to, to baseball in terms of the effect that it has on your body. Um, The fact that he's doing it at this age and continuously for over 900 games is absolutely amazing. I would almost put that feet above Gordy house uh, record basically.
0: Okay. Well, I think either way, I think you're you're absolutely right. I think he lands himself a place in the hall of fame. Do you think it's a first ballot hall of famer though? Ooh, that's a tough
1: one. That's going to depend on who else is going to be up for uh, the hall of fame, I guess during his year and depending that's going to depend on when he retires is I believe it's three years after you retire that you're eligible. So uh, what if him, Joe Thornton go out together? Wouldn't it be awesome if they're both first ballot hall of famers and they get to go in together? I think that would be pretty amazing, but that's, you know, years down the road. That's something else we could talk about on the show when he's eligible.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, rip the Band-Aid off here. Uh, so, the uh, San Jose Sharks playing on Monday night. This is, again, the, uh, the game where Marlo breaks the record. Uh, that was about the only good thing that happened during this game. You know, the Sharks actually did go up 2 uh, nothing uh, right away, and um, they end up kind of giving up that lead. It goes uh, tied two to two. They do take it to a shootout. They do survive. Uh, I'm sorry. They, they take it to overtime. They survive the overtime and then they go to a shootout and, and that's when they lose. They lose in the shootout because no one can solve Robin Leonard, which is just an unfortunate occurrence. But uh, one of the interesting things was, and it wasn't a huge surprise, but they had Patrick Marlowe as the first shooter. Of course, on his special night, they're going to they're gonna throw him out there. So uh, really good to see him because he's, he's had no shootout attempts this whole season. And uh, of course, on his night, they uh, they have him go to a shootout and they happen to have him uh, go out there and and take the shot. Now, again, nobody could solve Robin Leonard. So the Sharks ultimately lose that game by a score of three to two in the shootout. So uh, I I don't think it spoiled uh, Marlowe's night necessarily. I think some people were saying, especially Vegas fans, I'm looking forward to spoiling his his special night or whatever. And uh, as disrespectful as it is, it's not anything I would. Um, I, I'm ex- expecting that from uh, Vegas fans, the uh, disrespect, but uh, the folks that were in attendance at least uh, did give him a nice standing ovation uh, when uh, the uh, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the league uh, had a nice message for Patrick Marlowe after his first shift. They actually just stopped the game entirely after his first shift and had this big fanfare for him. So uh, really cool to see. And thanks to, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vegas Golden Knights fans that were in attendance along with the Sharks fans that were there in Vegas uh, for standing up and and clapping for you know Mr. Shark. So that was a really good to see. And of course, uh, as other teams have done, we saw Minnesota do it as well in LA Kings, the ducks uh, after that game was over, all of the Vegas Golden Knights lined up to shake Patty Marlowe's hand. So again, a big show of respect for a guy who has been a rival of theirs has been uh, playing for the rival team and all that fanfare. But, uh, it, you know, again, good to see them kind of put that aside. And this is kind of what makes hockey players a little different from everybody else. I think, you know, they uh, they can put the rivalry aside for a moment like this. And uh, there's a lot of respect that goes on for for other players and for the accomplishment that Patrick Marlowe has uh, accomplished. There you go.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, pretty classy. They were doing handshakes afterwards. Uh, yeah. I think it was pretty good. I thought, I thought Vegas did a pretty good job of, of making it feel special, not just kind of glossing it over really. So I thought yeah. um, even though it was on the road, I thought they did a good job, they, they recognize game, I guess game recognizes game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I To me, like you said, there was nothing good that happened that game. The sharks were up two nothing against Vegas, this team that is very deep and a cup contender uh, cup favorite, if you will, especially coming out of the Western Division. I think tonight's game actually locked up their place in the division. So, to me, I think I think it's amazing that they went up to nothing. It sucks that they they ended up tying it, but the shootout to me is such. It you might as well do Rochambeau. Like, what's the point of playing the skills competition? So, to me, it's a good thing that they got a point out of Vegas. Not that the points really matter, but they push Vegas every single time they play Vegas. Vegas has to really dig deep down deep and. Beat the Sharks. It's no easy games against uh, against the Sharks for Vegas. So um, I have this note down further. But I'm just going to talk about it now because tonight's game was even worse. Um, I I think uh, the Sharks, if the Sharks were to make playoffs, they would be in the bottom seed and they would be pitted up against Vegas in the first round. I think Vegas would be very nervous against playing against the San Jose Sharks in the first round because anything could happen. Uh, I think the Sharks, for whatever reason, seem to have their number. Not that they're beating them, but I think Vegas pretty much throws the whole kitchen sink at the sharks to win. And it's very tiring. And I think maybe the sharks don't beat them in the first round, but they'll probably take them to six, seven games and completely exhaust the Vegas Knights, And then maybe they lose in the next round to Colorado. So um, I, I'm kind of happy that the sharks, uh, I think they play well against them and, and the sharks kind of, I feel like they're doing that this season. They kind of play to their opponent because we saw them play against Anaheim and lose we Saw some play against LA mostly beat LA up, but um, lose a couple of those games. So um, I'm not too sad about these two games of Vegas. I wasn't expecting really much at, at points coming out of there, but I thought they played decent. They just kind of had some breakdowns that came back and, and Vegas scored on them, especially tonight. So um, I think the Sharks are are okay and, and good kind of uh, going
0: into next season. What? Yeah, I uh, yeah no. <laughs> I think uh, when you've gone zero and seven against this opponent, Vegas is not at all nervous. I think that you're talking about teams past uh, when you're talking about records and and how we've made it difficult for them in playoffs. I think this season is just uh, it's a different team, and, and it's 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 incredible because player roster wise. Not that different from even just a couple years ago, but they're, you know, just the periphery has changed enough. We've had enough of like, uh, you know, Pavelski and Jumbo, those guys that didn't seem like they were making maybe necessarily the biggest difference on the ice, although Pavelski was, um, you know, missing those guys and then replacing them with other players that are essentially AHL quality players and hoping that they get better. I don't know. Um, I don't think that Vegas is at all concerned playing against the sharks of this season. Maybe historically speaking, there might be some, um, some merit there, but I think if they were to go into a playoff round with them, they would just kind of already be looking past us. Cause again, they haven't lost a game all season against, uh, the sharks. So, um, I I don't know. I don't think that, that if first of all, the Sharks are going to make it there anyway. So it's a moot point. It doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, that's my whole take on that. Now, I, I've got actually a comment here that kind of meshes well with something that you uh, you want to talk about. Keith here says, yuck, those gold helmets. Aaron, take it away. I
1: think they're hideous. I think they're ugly. And I'm actually kind of <laughs> surprised that the NHL allows them kind of like a pitcher in baseball, not allowed to wear kind of flashy stuff because it it's very distracting. Um, I would think that they wouldn't allow it. So I think they're ugly. Um, it's very different. And sure, give it to Vegas for kind of going out there and, and trying something new and different, uh, kind of gimmicky. But yeah, even there was their question there. There's a comment here saying that their fans don't even like it, right? i hear some vegas don't even care for the gold helmets i don't blame them yeah uh i think it's uh to me it reminds me of uh the california golden seals going with the all white skates and white gloves and trying to be different um just trying to be different and i don't know just it's ugly i don't care for it
0: yeah speaking about being different um there was also a picture from a while back i think it was the philadelphia flyers Who, instead of wearing uh, like butt pads, right? They wore like roller pants. uh, And and instead, yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. And there was like a big stripe down the side, I think, too. Look that one up, guys. Uh, It was um, short lived to say the least. (laughs) So uh, hopefully, I mean, personally, I don't like the gold helmets either. It is kind of shining and distracting. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's what they're trying to go for. But I honestly, I just think they look ridiculous. Um, But. Uh, whatever is what it is um, <laughs> like if it was Comet. the sharks i guess i'd have more um more to say about it but it's the golden knights and i don't whatever i don't expect much out of them i like um, uh,
1: lundy's comment vegas golden c3po it's-, <laughs> it's very it's very shiny and bright it looks exactly like c3po it's kind of like they're gold but it's so shiny that it looks yeah. like a mirror almost
0: it's hard to tell yeah for sure So, uh, tonight's game, they actually ditched the gold helmet, which was a a nice change of pace. There's the gold. Thank you, Super Producer Jason. Oh, so ugly. Yeah, I'm not feeling that at all. No. It just looks ridiculous. Yeah. They got to go. Uh, Anyway, I mean, if it was like the color of the gold that's on their armband there, instead of like uh, shined up, uh, so it's like, you know, glowing, radiating off of their heads, I can see. you. Yeah, I yeah, know. Totally. If, if if it was like the gold color, not actually like looking like it was tried to be made out of glitter gold, you know, uh, maybe then it wouldn't look so bad, but oh my goodness.
1: Get on
0: with it. Yes. Get on with it.
1: Yes. Get on
0: with it. I couldn't have said it better myself. So uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about tonight's game, which again, we should probably just get on with this one. Oh, this is no good either. Um, the Sharks do score first again. Uh, which is nice, but they end up going into the third per- period trailing by a goal. This is something that we've seen far too often. The Stars come out with a nice goal right off the hop of the game, and then it just kind of goes downhill from there. That's why, uh, for me, it's hard for me to look at this team and say, yeah, you know, they're uh, it's to still say, yeah, you know, I think they're they're in a good spot. They're doing well. They they have no idea how to keep the momentum going. They have no idea how to step on the throat. They have no idea how to do those things uh, to try to win that hockey game. When, once they lose their momentum, it's like, forget it. And even when they try getting that momentum back, uh, the other team is just ready for them, and it just doesn't seem to matter who it is that they're playing against. Uh, tonight's case, it was the Vegas Golden Knights, probably the, the best team uh, in the league. Uh, and, of course, with the Sharks losing by a score of 5-2 to two with an extra empty net goal there, uh, Vegas, again, is undefeated this season against the San Jose Sharks, not at all concerned about playing them. And they do become the first team to clinch a playoff berth in the 2021 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So tonight's game was important to the Vegas Golden Knights in that they felt that they needed to cement their place in the playoffs, uh, that they're going to be there. Uh, for now, going forward, it's just kind of icing on the cake. They want to be the number one team in the Honda West, uh, potentially in the league. So they'll be playing for that now. And once this uh, this milestone's out of the way, this this hurdle's out of the way, uh, and and it didn't take much for them to beat the Sharks tonight. Unfortunately. Um, The the score looks a little bit farther apart than maybe the game actually was. But when you take a look at it, uh, they did shell Koshinosh with 40 shots on goal. Uh, And to his credit, Bob Bugner actually said in the postgame presser that uh, he was actually pretty happy with the way Koshinosh played tonight. Uh, There were, you know, a goal here or there that maybe he could have uh, got a pat on. But for the most part, he's playing against the best team in the Honda West, if not the league. And they far outmatched the Sharks uh, on every line. And this is a guy who's had, what, two starts now? So uh, for him to go in there and to face 40 shots on goal, it could have been a lot worse. So uh, if you want to try to take positives away from this game, that's definitely one. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to say about Koshinosh. I know you mentioned him earlier.
1: Well, it was a nationally broadcast game tonight, too. So it was kind of on the big stage and getting his name out there. And I was happy with the announcers. They kind of pronounced it right, better than... Better than I pronounce it. So Uh, Koshinosh kind of getting out, getting a a national game, which I believe was that the first nationally televised Sharks game this season. And I think at the beginning of the year, they weren't supposed to have any. So they went back and added this game on there. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy for him. I think he was ready to take that next step and play in the NHL. So, and this is kind of the first time I really got to watch him. I haven't been able to watch any Barracuda games with him playing. So, I think he's doing an okay job. I think he still has a lot of, to learn, but he's cutting his teeth to NHL, and I think uh, he could be a serviceable backup next year. Um, I'm not so sure about, you know, if Jones is really sticking around next year for a whole other season. I mean, we can get into that later. I don't know if the Sharks will buy him out and he'll be gone completely, but Koshinosh looked comfortable enough that he belonged in the NHL, I think, as a backup, not as a starter yet, but as a backup. I could, you could see the... You could see the potential there of him.
0: Yeah, and, and that's kind of maybe all you really hope to look for right now. Again, this is a guy who's a rookie uh, in the NHL. He's played a couple seasons in the AHL, but this is his first in the NHL. He's had only a couple games, and if he's looking like, you know, like Aaron said, like he looked sort of comfortable, semi-comfortable. Uh, he, he looked like he wasn't completely out of place. That bodes well for a guy who's... Only seen a very small, limited amount of action. Give him, uh, you know, another season or two playing in a backup role, and we'll see where he goes from there. Now, is he the goalie of the future necessarily for the Sharks? I, maybe, maybe not. Probably not, but maybe. Who knows? I know Melnitchuk is a guy that they're uh, touting very highly, and there was some uh, some speculation, perhaps, uh, by one of the Sharks fans saying, "Hey, the, the Sharks should go after." Uh, one of the the goaltending prospects that was up and coming here. And I know, Aaron, you had talked about in the stream last time saying the Sharks probably won't go for a goaltending prospect because it takes them a few years it, it, to, to be ready. Now, honestly, it, maybe that would be a good reason why they would go with a goalie prospect just because they've got Martin Jones for the next few years. Give that guy the opportunity to develop a little bit in the uh, if he's still playing in juniors or if he's uh, able to play at the AHL level, give him some opportunity to play there, maybe give him a year as a, as a backup, and then Martin Jones' contract falls off. Uh, so that that could definitely play out well. I'm, I'm with you, though. I feel like they go with best skater available, although I'm leaning more towards uh, forward. But let's well, we could push some of that conversation for later. For tonight's game, at least, one other positive I wanted to take away, Evander Kane playing heavy but smart. Uh, he drilled... Martinez, Alec Martinez in the boards, he absolutely just pummeled him and he didn't take a penalty and the Vegas Golden Knights did what the Sharks want to do in that situation, right? When one of your players gets hit like that, you have your guys kind of swarm, you stick up for each other. And that's exactly what the Vegas Golden Knights did. There was no hesitation. Tuck came over. Um, Martinez was there. I can't remember who the other player was, but they were all in Kane's face. And Kane was kind of pleading to the ref like, hey, man, I was just a clean hit. I'm not fighting back. I'm not doing anything until he started taking jabs to the face. And then it kind of got more of a shoving match. Now, in in this instance, again, Kane didn't take a penalty, something he's been much better of doing as of late. And I want to tip my cap to the guy because we've talked about him being in the box for the past couple seasons, being in the box too much, not being on the ice where we would like to see him because he's a very skilled player putting the puck in the net. That's what he should be doing, right? So for him to be in that situation kind of ganged up on and he doesn't take a penalty, you know, no roughing, no unsportsmanlike, no slashing, none of that stuff. Um, And what happens is Tuck basically gets a penalty for retaliating for that hit, for that clean hit. And the Sharks end up getting a power play. So, you know, and again, this is for me the maturity of Evander Kane, right? We're seeing a little bit more maturity out of him. Uh, staying out of the box, being that agitator, drawing the penalty by being the agitator, but still being out there and being dangerous on the ice. There's not many guys in the NHL that have that whole package, Aaron.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think he's playing, to me, he's playing to uh, he's playing to his contract for once. You know, one of the Sharks is actually doing that. Um, to me, he also could be playing to be moved to another team and showing the rest of the league that he can still play and that that contract is worth it. So, um, I mean, I, I like the way he plays and I know you don't like him being in the box, obviously for dumb penalties, like, you know, all those two minute ones, I don't really like, but if he gets a penalty for hitting a guy hard and he gets, takes a roughing penalty for destroying a guy, I'm okay with that. If he's taking a penalty for sticking up for a teammate and fighting, I'm okay with that. Doing the, the dumb penalties, like behind the attacking net or something like a hooking or kind of like a stick infraction penalty. I don't like as much. So I think he's done a great job kind of curtailing that. And uh, he has, to me, he's been the most consistent shark the entire season. Uh, The best and most consistent. So, and and it shows, obviously, because he's leading the team in scoring. Um, So, yeah, I'm very happy with with, uh, Evander Kane this season.
0: 100%. I'm glad we see it the same way there. Um, There's a a comment here from uh, Brian. He says, is the rebuild going to be short? I think so.
1: I mean, there's other comments in here. of People wanting to blow it up, make it a dumpster fire in here. I don't think they should blow it up. And I'll give you a couple examples of why look at the Buffalo Sabres. They have missed what I forget how many years it is now. 15 years of missed the playoffs or something. They're about to set an NHL record for missing the playoffs consecutively. How many first overall picks or or top three picks have they had in that whole time? A lot. How many have Edmonton had in the last, let's say, 15 years? And they've won one playoff round. I think it was against the Sharks when (laughs) Roman Couture and and somebody else was hurt. So it was like they they should have won kind of thing. Um, I I don't see the Sharks blowing up this team and selling everybody off and being years and years in disrepair. I think, I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to be super competitive because I don't know what they're going to do this year, but – Moving one of those big contracts out of here next year will open up so much either burying Martin Jones, maybe buying him out, getting rid of him and bringing in some other people will do wonders. I think bringing in, um, getting rid of one of those other big contracts, maybe Mark Edward Vlasic, maybe Brent Burns. I don't think Carlson's going to be going anywhere. Um, I don't like mainly because nobody in the league is gonna be able to take that contract. The sharks are gonna be stuck with them. I think they should move on from Burns and or Vlasic. um, I think uh, Couture is fine. I think Kane is fine. I think Hurdle is outplaying his contract. Um, And I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. But some of those other guys, I think everyone's kind of up for it. And Timo Meyer, we haven't really talked much about him, I guess, tonight. But Timo Meyer, to me, a great example of what Timo Meyer, like why he should be moved, is uh, I don't know if you paid attention, but in Detroit, um, blanking on his name now the power forward in detroit um uh I see you what at see you no not to see you he's he's uh um, somebody else he just got traded to washington so uh mantha anthony okay. and, uh, mantha um he's this power forward plays very similar big body can score very skilled and hadn't scored more than 20 goals in detroit and everyone's expecting to take that next step, take that next step. He didn't do it. He gets traded to Washington now has an elite center and winger uh, Backstrom and Oshie playing with him, And he's scored in every single game. And I think it's five or six games with Washington. So to me, Timo is kind of like that, where I think he needs to change the scenery. I think he goes to another team and plays with some better players. I think he's going to be a better player. I think he's a good player in the NHL. I just, to me, I mean, I don't know if if Mantha's the same way, but when you're kind of around a culture that's constantly losing and things are going wrong, you kind of just don't play up. You're not a leader of the team. Like, Mantha's not going to be a guy who's going to lead the whole team and pick them up and put them on his back. And I feel like Timo Meyers is the same way. He's not the kind of guy that's going to pick up the team, put them on his back, and that's what everyone's kind of expecting him to be. If he's not like that and he gets moved – like to me, I feel like the Sharks could move him for another player that also needs a change of scenery. Um, who knows? Maybe Jack Eichel. Maybe we do a trade with uh, Buffalo. Um, so I, I just think there's, to me, next season has so much more hope because if you get rid of, get rid of one of those big contracts, you're going to open up so much more space to bring in free agents, to bring in other players. Um, to me, Doug Wilson kind of hinted at moving some of these players and contracts and using the Sharks um, cap space to help out other teams and get more picks, get more prospects and whatnot. So I think they're in a good advantage going in towards the, uh, both the Seattle draft and the uh, entry level draft. So anyway, Mm -hmm. my point is I don't think it's going to be like Buffalo where it's gonna be 15 years of not making playoffs. I think it's going to be a shorter one to two years. I think they're going to be, um, back into into contention
0: yeah so um brian uh, okay so is the rebuild going to be short well, first of all uh i mean he's definitely not used the word rebuild he's used the word reset so who knows if he's going to stick to that or not um i feel like he like aaron said he may have to stick to that because uh, the contracts that he's got right now and the no move clauses that he's got right now and the fact that it is a flat cap uh for the rest of the folks in the league not that people wouldn't want eric carlson on their team necessarily but they can't afford to bring on that contract uh, to their team so uh, you're going to have a hard enough time moving them just because of that it's not necessarily that it's a bad contract everyone wants to keep saying it's a bad contract and I understand why people say that um, but the way you have to look at it is a, is more of can teams afford that player right if they want that player it doesn't matter how much you're getting paid if they want that player do we have the space for this player that's it that's really all they care about so um, I don't think any team that wants Eric Carlson actually has the cap space due to the flat cap. So I, I'm with you, Aaron. I think that there's only so much he can do. And that's why to, to answer this question, I can't really do that without changing the word rebuild to reset. Will the reset uh, be short? Will it take a long time, whatever the time frame is? I mean, honestly, it really all depends on the free agency, like the, the pool who they're able to bring in and the trades that are made it all. It, that's what it all comes down to. When you talk about a team like Buffalo and with their reset, rebuild, whatever, would that take time or would it be short for them? Yes, it's going to take a long time. And the reason is kind of like the same thing with the sharks. We've got a core of players already in place that are, are good, solid players. Buffalo has a handful of good, solid players and they're in the same boat, the Sharks are, they can't get it done. They cannot pick up a win with Jack Eichel, uh, Darlene, and everybody else that's on that team even when, when Taylor Hall was playing with them, Like, nothing was popping off for these guys. So, uh, for, for them, I could see it being a very long, lengthy rebuild. For the Sharks, again, although we're in the same boat, I just have more faith that the players that we have are a little bit more spread out in their talent and that they can – They can bring other players uh, from the AHL that are playing now in the NHL this season. On another level, we saw Dylan Gambrell take that step. We've seen Kevin LeBanc take steps in the right direction, although, again, it fell apart again this season. And Aaron, I'm 100% with you. I think a guy like Timo Meyer, I would love to make a hockey trade with Timo Meyer. a change of scenery for two players that are good players, but they're just not good on their respective teams. Swap them and see how it goes. I think you're, you're on the right track there, Mantha. uh, you know, playing very well, like you said, uh, with the Capitals. So, uh, if we get a trade, something like that, it it all depends. It all depends on how that player responds, how that locker room responds to having a new guy come in and uh, a beloved player, a friend or whatever, leaving the locker room. So there's, there's just too many factors that kind of go into it. I do think the sharks could turn this around faster Than say the Buffalo Sabres could, Um, and and they don't have the star power. If you take a look at just like the star power names, Eric Carlson is kind of like that guy, but Brent Burns is kind of like that guy on our team. But when you talk about young talent, guys that are um, you know elite at their positions, you talk about Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, Although, again, this season they're just they're not able to put it together for whatever reason. So. I don't know. I think the Sharks are able to turn it around. Uh, I don't think it's going to be super duper long, but we'll see. That's all on uh, Doug Wilson. And I frankly am very interested in seeing what a rebuild under Doug Wilson would look like because we've never seen that before. We've only seen little resets. But again, that's the terminology he used. He said reset. He's not saying rebuild. So uh, we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, i got a couple of comments here. Um <laughs> Carlson is a three-legged horse who in the right mind would want him. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, can you think of any teams that would, uh, w- <laughs> I can see the look on your face right now. Uh, what do you think of this comment? Go ahead. Uh, I'm trying to <laughs> figure out what
1: he's trying to say. Basically nobody wants Carlson. Essentially. Uh, yeah. Uh, if the salary cap was going to keep going up, which everyone thought it did until COVID hit, then I think it would be easier to move him. Um, Adding Seattle is going to help because now there's going to be more pieces moved around the league. So there's going to be a little bit of cap relief in a way with the players getting moved. But um, I think once we see the new TV contract come in, the money come in and the cap go up, um, I, think, uh, I think Carlson will be here for at least a couple more seasons before if he were ever to get moved because no team is going to be able to just take that cap space unless the Sharks took back an equally bad contract. Now, would you trade him for – Milan Lucic or something like that, where it's just like another five years of a player who is, can't even play Like compared to Carlson. Carlson's still logging 28 minutes a night, can skate and move, and he's still dishing out stuff. So um, he's still
0: serviceable, I think. I just, I don't know. I I don't really want to take that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think basically what it comes down to is there's nothing wrong with Eric Carlson other than the fact that you weigh his production up against his dollar amount. That's exactly. that's the whole problem with Eric Carlson. If Eric Carlson was making $5 million, $6 million a year, no one would really say anything about it, right?
1: Yeah, people get mad because he's the highest-paid defenseman in the league and he's not scoring like the highest-paid defenseman in the league. Sure. Take out the contract. He's still a good player. Um, Navy47 said, I wonder if the Sharks want to move out of San Jose. I hear they want to. Old building, stadium, et cetera. Rumors. Absolutely not. The Sharks aren't going anywhere. They just invested into a whole new ice surface inside the arena. There's no way they're going to move out of there for another 20 to 25 years. So they're invested in San Jose. They're not going anywhere. Now there were some rumblings. Do you remember that? I think the beginning of the season that they were, uh, I think before the season started um, that whole thing, I think we did a show on it with, we had uh, we had Jonathan Becker. Becker on talking about it. And uh, he said, he basically like, not that he threatened the Sharks to leave, but he's kind of like, Hey, you're kind of, you're kind of screwing us over here and wanted to get their attention of the city of San Jose. And, and it worked. So um, they're just worried about because of all the construction that's going to be going on with the whole Google campus coming in and BART coming in through downtown right by the arena. So um, they're not going anywhere. In fact, I think it was uh, it was the owner Hassel Plattner had came out a couple years ago because people are saying, oh, the arena is the oldest, you know, the third oldest arena in the NHL. Are you guys going to want to move? Or are you going to try and force the city to build a new one? And he's he's from Germany. So he's like, no, you Americans like to just blow up everything and build something new instead of keeping it and making it nice. The building is fine. We're just going to put some upgrades into it, which is what they've done. So I don't think they're going anywhere. I think the location is absolutely perfect, especially with that new Google campus coming in. And did you see the artwork that won, by the way, Paul, that's going to be going into downtown right across the street? You know, the, uh, the the what's it called? The the merry-go-round that's in the okay. park right there. They're going to be building something. So back in like a hundred years ago in San Jose, there used to be a giant light tower in San Jose. It was a big thing that went over Santa Clara street. It was the tallest thing in San Jose and you could see it from everywhere. Um, it was an inspiration to the Eiffel tower in Paris before the Eiffel tower was built. So the, the wind blew it down one time and just completely destroyed it back in, I don't know, the thirties maybe. Um, So they never had anything, but that used to be like a kind of a thing, you know, like every city has a thing that draws people. So they wanted to do it. So the new thing that's good, that just won, they had a big competition is these giant rods. There's like hundreds or thousands of rods that have lights at the top and they sway with the wind. It's really cool. You should check it out. And within the rods, they, they shape them or they, they have them facing. So it looks like the tower and it's the same dimensions of the original tower that was there. 100 years ago so you guys should all look into that Um, maybe I'll post that up next time oh maybe there it goes there it is that's what it's going to look like and that's right you can see the arena on the left in the picture there so these giant rods and it's a building inside you can go inside and check it out there's a bunch of pictures and stuff Um, this is going to be the new art thing in San Jose and it's going to be pretty sweet oh no we don't want more content like that Um, so see how the lights and they they all sway in the wind it's going to be awesome you're looking at it weird I am it's going to be cool. Okay. Anyway, thank you, San Jose Spotlight, and thank you, Super <laughs> Producer Jason, for pulling that up on a whim. We did not mention it at all. Um, John Dunbar, 60-foot statue of Martin Jones could be an attraction.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, all of a sudden, this turned into a statues of San Jose Factor. Uh, but, yeah, cool. I mean, It could be interesting. Why not? Well,
1: we're close to the top of the hour. Let's do a roll call and... <laughs> Uh, what question do you want to ask? You want to say, do you like the new project that's going to be going in? <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> Why not? Yeah, no, go for it. Uh, tell us where you're, uh, you're watching this from and if you like the light tube thing.
1: <laughs> uh, in the meanwhile, Brian Hong asks, what position do the Sharks draft? Center, left wing, right wing, or defenseman? <laughs> Whatever. I was a history major, <laughs> all right? I have a history degree. I love this stuff. Um, what position they draft? To me, it's going to be the best player available. I don't think they're going to. And, and in this draft, supposedly it's all defensemen. So I have a feeling the Sharks are going to get a stud defenseman. Not that they really need one, but I wish it was. I wish they had the draft pick. I mean, you know, Stutzel, Stutzel, whatever. He would have been an amazing player to be on the Sharks. Unfortunately, uh, that I don't think there's going to be a forward like that at that high of a pick. So it's most likely going to be a defenseman. Um, going back to what you're talking about earlier, a goalie being drafted in the first round, I just don't see the Sharks using a, a pick on a goalie. They never have. There's very rarely have a has a goalie been picked in the first round to begin with in the NHL. Um, I could think of Carey Price, uh, DiPietro, Flurry, Flurry, and that's it. And to yeah. me, I think DiPietro was kind of not. I wouldn't say a bust, but a us for a first round pick, maybe I think getting him in the second round would have been better, but I don't know. I just, I don't see that high. I'm, I'm assuming the shark's going to have a top eight pick top six pick based on how they're doing now. I don't see a goalie being picked in there
0: right, to, to be fair. Hindsight is 2020 20, though, with the, with the whole DP thing thing. Um, I mean, we can look back on lots of players and see, you know, oh, we could have got that guy in the second round. So, Uh, or or any other team where they picked those certain players. We talked about, I think it was Boston. They had like two or three first-round picks. Yeah, Yeah, it was three of them. And and two of them were... (laughs) I remember telling you, I'm like, they picked two guys who were slotted to go like 40th or something like that, like mid-second round. And, um, you know, I I mean, if they worked out, they worked out. But my goodness, uh, taking quite a gamble on some first-rounders that I think they traded up um, during the draft to get some of those too. So it just, just... kind of crazy anyway um i did notice here uh scott Scott kemp i just wanted to say this uh the art factor a new channel hey man you want to head it up you feeling it no no okay all right just just checking uh yeah i know in terms of uh which player in the draft interests me i don't i don't know uh, a particular player but again for me i'm i'm more interested in that scoring winger Um, or or honestly like uh, a a strong centerman would be great because you know how the San Jose Sharks love to do this with centermen. They like taking a centerman and making him available to play as a winger instead. So uh, this is something that they've done with uh, several of their players. And for a a guy to be able to take faceoffs, for instance, once you've got one kicked out, uh, that's that's a very valuable thing. So uh, I would definitely like to see another uh, scoring winger, Although, again, we have the likes of like Ozzy Weisblatt, the Tristan Robbins, Robins, I believe is his name. Uh, Blickfeld actually is starting to come into his own as well. We might see him uh, sooner than later, although he's kind of been a bit of an experiment, too. So who knows? But uh, that, for, for my money, I would rather see that. Again, my reasoning about defensemen is typically with defensemen. And I don't know because I haven't looked at these guys. But typically with defensemen that go in the early, early picks, uh, it's it's usually an offensive defenseman, right? Somebody who's a lot more talented with the puck than they are with uh, talented keeping guys away from their net. So um, I don't think that's what the Sharks need right now. I think with Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, that experiment doesn't seem to be working. Having um, extra offensive defensemen. So uh, to, to have Brian Merkley already waiting in the wings and then to add another offensive-defensive prospect, prospect there, I just I don't understand that mentality. I, would, I wouldn't go that route. So for me, I think it comes down to uh, a strong centerman or a, uh, a solid uh, winger who's very skilled with the puck. That's what, what I would like to see. What if they got a
1: stud offensive defenseman in a top, let's say a top five pick, and they trade Merkley for a stud offensive jack
0: eichel centerman plus Timo meyer so you want to trade merkley and meyer for eichel and then you draft a stud defenseman right, right. only if you're retaining salary though because <laughs> <laughs> yeah otherwise it gets too sticky but uh let's see i'm just, I'm just
1: throwing stuff out there
0: you know? yeah no no, no. I, I, there's definitely there's lots of of ways to finagle that for sure um so let's see. We've got Taylor gives his opinion here. He says, I think they draft uh, or they need to draft a center over anything else in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you for for checking us out from Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, yeah, Taylor's kind of with me on this one. He says, I think we need to draft a, a center. So um, who knows? I think, you know, Aaron's got a good point. We can definitely get fulfill whatever needs the Sharks think that they have uh, via trade and whatnot and then draft whatever you traded away so that you can kind of restock that that missing piece on the shelves there. Uh, but to trade away Ryan Merkley, you're kind of saying we have no faith in Ryan Merkley anymore. Is that, do you feel that way?
1: No, it's more of you value him high and the other team values him as high and you're getting a stud guy coming back. So I, I'm not, I'm not giving up on him. I, I wouldn't okay. want to. I've just, I would assume that that's what Buffalo would want in return if they were going to uh, trade.
0: Right, I'm saying as opposed to instead of trading Merkley, giving them the pick and letting them pick whatever defenseman they want. You would rather take that pick as opposed to a guy like Ryan Merkley?
1: Yeah, because I mean Ryan Merkley was drafted 21st overall versus a guy who's drafted I'm assuming top five overall. You're going to get a better quality player who's probably going to even jump to the NHL almost the same time as Merkley would and he's already 20, 20, 21. So Then you get an 18 year old versus a 21 year old. You get a couple more years out of them. I don't know. Just kind of doing some economics there. What?
0: <laughs> Before we get to next games, I do want to call out something from Brian and a follow up here. Brian says, Do the Sharks make a statue of Patty? Uh, caretaker One wanted says, That would be awesome. Scott Kemp, a statue of Patty might blow over and inspire more rod buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Uh, you Aaron, what? What, do you, what do you think about this? Does, does Patrick Marlowe deserve the immortalization of a statue in front of SAP Center?
1: Absolutely. I think so. I think now that he's gotten that record, he's probably going to go in the Hall of Fame. It's really unfortunate that he did not win a cup. Can you imagine if him and Joe won a cup with the Sharks? I bet you there would be a statue of both of them shirtless in front of the arena. So I think uh, <laughs> I think Patty deserves it. Um If they won a cup, I think Joe would also have one. But I think because he did not, I don't think Joe will get a statue. But to me, Patrick Marlowe, I mean, how many of those 1760 now, 1769 games has he played as a shark? Almost all of them. So if you took just the games of the shark, I think he has the most games in one team, too. Didn't he pass that record? Me must. Because Gordie Howe played for – he played for Detroit for most of it, but not all of it. So um, I I think he just passed that one. A milestone is the most games played by any player for one franchise. So, I yeah, to me, I think number 12 is going to get retired in the rafters. And I think um, maybe not right away a statue, but maybe, uh, what, what do you think? Ten years down the road, maybe when the Sharks are absolutely terrible and they have nothing else to do, they make a statue and put it in front of the arena so they can do something. <laughs>
0: Well, the Sharks are already terrible and we have nothing else to do. May as well make it now. Um, no, but I, I feel like it's not going to be, if they did a statue, it would maybe coincide with the hall to kind of like unveil it around the same time. Um, you know, why, why drag it out? But, um, yeah. uh, anyway, interesting stuff. Good to think about. And, uh, maybe they could put it in the middle of, uh, all the light rods. Who knows? Anyway, next games for the San Jose Sharks. You really don't uh, like got, those, do you? was that? You really don't like those light rods, do you?
1: I, you are whatever. not an art connoisseur, my friend.
0: Hey, man, You're, light rods are for some people.
1: You are a very left brain person, no <laughs> right brain at all.
0: Whatever the heck that means. Okay, uh, Saturday versus my the wild. Exactly. There you go, Saturday versus the wild, uh, 6 p.m. This one here. Uh, and then of course, we, we instead of it being a two game series, that's just a single game. So, we're not going to do a show on Saturday night, we're going to do a show after the Arizona games, which are on Monday at seven 30 and then Wednesday at seven 30. So the next show that we do will be on that Wednesday, probably around 10 15. So, uh, that's what you can expect us to be back. And of course, uh, you won't have to worry about memorizing that because you are already subscribed. Uh, and if you're not, you know where the button is, go ahead and click that thing and then hit the bell because then you'll know when we do go live and you'll be able to take part of the conversation here, the more you know, you'll be able to take part in the conversation here with everybody else. Uh, it's been a whole lot of fun doing this. I, I love taking these questions. I'm, so I'm glad actually that we moved on to a, uh, a live format, especially during this whole COVID thing, uh, because it really has been uh, nice being able to get in touch with the fans and answer questions. Lads kind of keeps you on your toes and whatnot. And then how else would people know about light rod uh, statues, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so uh, these games here, Aaron. Saturday against the Wild, Monday, Wednesday against the Arizona Coyotes. What do you see in store for the Sharks in these games? What do they need to do here? Well, I would say they could play spoiler to Arizona, but I kind of want the Coyotes to get
1: in more than the Blues. So right now the the Coyotes, I mean, they have a lot of games, uh, played more games than St. Louis, um, but they are one point ahead of St. Louis in that fourth spot. So you're going to see an Arizona Coyotes team that's going to be pretty much in playoff hockey right now. Sharks, not so much. So I think they're going to be tough games. Arizona always seems to be a tough opponent for the Sharks. Um, I mean, going back to the days when Dave Tippett was the team, was the coach and, and they were a very defensive minded hockey team because they didn't really have those kind of skill guys to on multiple lines to really drive it. So they're a very hardworking team. Doesn't have a lot of skill. So they rely on their hard work. And to me, the Sharks just don't play well against teams like that. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like they played decent against the Wild. I could see the Sharks pulling off a win against the Wild, and then maybe, maybe two losses against Arizona. What do you think?
0: I'm not confident. <laughs> we'll just say that. We'll just say I'm not confident. Um, this team, uh, they're gonna win at some point before the end of the season's over. Okay, it's gonna happen. Um, do they deserve to win the way that they've been playing recently? I, I know that they've looked better in spurts, but spurts is just not good enough. Now, I'm not asking for wins, and I said this the last show too. I wouldn't expect them to go out there and just win. You know, there's no team, save you know the Anaheim Ducks, and even then we lost to the Ducks. There's no team that I'm looking at in the Honda West thinking that is an automatic win. If we don't win, I would be severely disappointed. I think every team that we play is a battle. And that's unfortunate, but every team that we play, it's a battle. Um, So I'm, I'm not expecting necessarily any points coming out of this, uh, this week here of games, uh, which is a sad thing to say, because I'm, I I mean, I still want to see my team compete. I still want to see my team win, but it's just, I just don't see it in the cards. I think these other teams are just um, a little more motivated. I think they're just more talented uh, and even where they're not as talented, I think you're right. There are teams that are just, they, they're they a little more blue collar. They, they grind and they put in the hard, hard work. And I don't think we have enough players on this team that are willing to do that hard, hard work. I think there's a s- small handful of them, like a Rudolph Spalsers, uh, Ryan Donato at times. I know I've praised him before, but lately, I'm not sure. Uh, but And then, of course, again, Mario Ferraro. That guy is an Energizer Bunny. So for, for me, we need more players players to have that mentality not more players like that necessarily but i need that mentality to permeate throughout the locker room and it's just again i see a lot of just stretching out and holding your stick out and hoping that that's enough to bump the puck off like gliding hunched over with your stick out is not something that is going to detract an nhl caliber player from trying to get past you you know, um, so I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm not very happy, not just with the overall outcome, but I'm just not happy with the effort. And until that effort, until they show me more of that effort that I'm looking for, I, I'm not expecting any wins. That's um, just the result you're going to get.
1: Yeah. To me, I, I want to see in these last, you know, couple weeks left of the season, I almost don't want to see him win. Not that I want to see him tank and lose every single game, but I want to see, I want to see, better effort, but I don't mind the losing because they're only going to hurt yourself. If you keep winning at this point, you're not going to make playoffs. So I want to see him kind of, uh, get some more younger guys in that lineup. I think bringing up some of those guys from the AHL, give them a taste of the NHL life. That way they can carry that into next season, into their off season workouts, know what they need to work on, get basically get a report card from the coaching staff of this is what we want you to do better and work on it this summer. So you can come into training camp ready to go because we're going to need you to compete for the spot. That's what I want to see. So the next two weeks, I want to see a lot more younger guys getting called up to the NHL level. Um, now that I'm, I'm not saying scratch Marlo, but now that Marlo's kind of got that game out of the way, you don't have to really kind of uh, force him in the lineup if he's not going to be producing. So um, I think uh, they'll go the, the way of the youth and bring in, get those guys with the butterflies out of their stomachs and, and, used to going into the NHL level and knowing what they're going to need to do going into next year.
0: Uh, 180 AD says, yep, nailed it on the effort. Thank you uh, for agreeing with me. Not always do people do that. (laughs) And then uh, Scott Kemp, the light rod behind Jones is working great. First of all, okay, you weren't, and and Lundy here, what a brick of Swiss cheese. Both of you guys, you weren't talking that mess when the Sharks were winning games with Jones in the net. So uh, it's a, what have you done for me lately? uh, Kind of comment there. Uh although it was hilarious, the light rod behind Jones, which also by the way, let's not forget Jones wasn't in goal tonight, so I don't know why y'all hating on Jones. he's not even playing the game
1: <laughs> give he's, him a break, jeez, he's almost up to nine hundred he's at eight ninety eight I just looked what's that his save percentage is at eight ninety eight he is so close
0: there you go. He had a good game the other night let's hope let's hope for uh a good showing against the wild with Martin Jones in net and uh We'll see how it goes. He says, Scott you know. says Scott Kemp wants to call it out now. He says the more you know. <laughs> Thanks, to producer Jason. Okay, I think we've uh, we've beat this dead horse enough. Just okay, guys, jump, um, it's jump, yeah off the cliff. Jump the okay, shirt. hey uh, again, we appreciate all the comments here, um, and and uh, for those of you that that don't know uh, that with the super chat and with Venmo, um, we, we appreciate all the contrib- contributions that we've had. Uh, throughout all the shows that we've done all the support we've gotten as well if we did uh, miss a venmo uh, comment uh, we will get to it the next show i promise you uh, which by the way it's at the fin factor uh, if you would like to help support us that way also you can go to the check out our shirts hats stickers that's another good way to support the show as well uh, and Lundy, I-, I guess your button's still broken but that's okay we still love you <laughs> anyway uh so i guess that's it aaron you got anything else you want to say here nope let's go cool. no yeah, there's nothing else to say with this team. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Get on with it! I was just saying, we're Super Producer Jason.
1: I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys next week on Wednesday
0: night. Next week, Wednesday, 10-15. Good night. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at the TheFinFactor and on Instagram at FinFactor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes
1: as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.